0: Hi, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson. And I am Buck. I told you so cool. Green.
1: <laughs> I can't wait to hear what that one's about. But uh, This is the MCS Friday Reload podcast, where Buck and I get together and we talk about this week's blog posts so that you kind of get the skinny on just the, the highlights of, of what happened this week on the blog, get our feelings behind some of this stuff and some of the comments from, from readers. And, uh, just in general, kind of wrap up the whole week with some really great survival and self-defense, uh, information. So, let's go ahead and jump right in because we actually had a lot going on on the blog this week and we want to cover all of the, uh, the highlights for you. So, I'll go ahead and get started with the, the first blog post and the first one we had up on Monday was three simple steps for how to hide an AR-15 off the books or off the grid and and this is one of those things where it's a really hot topic because not only is gun control a big issue and in protecting our Second Amendment rights, but also in those being in in these assault style weapons, and this that's a whole other that's a whole other topic for what we call these things to keep them, you know, out of the uh out of the hands of, of people that are trying to get them. But also like how do you keep them is there a way to to avoid gun confiscation if there are any sort of martial law or or things like that where, you know, you in, in trying not to be registered? I mean, the biggest fear I think we all have in a martial law situation is the knock at the door that says, um, uh, Mr. Green, uh, we see that you have three AR-15s, two SKS rifles, and if you could hand those over, please, because we don't want you shooting the bad guys out in the streets. So these are three steps for avoiding that type of a of a situation with at least one of your weapons. And quite uh, quickly, those steps are, number one, don't make your first stop down to the gun shop. I mean, that is typically where most people go. If you're going to look for a firearm, go ahead and, uh, you know, you're going to go down to Cabela's or Bass Pro or wherever and try and pick up a weapon. The only problem is that those that type of a purchase does require you to fill out all the background check information, all the registration. So that one is on the books straight up as soon as it comes over the counter. So uh that's probably going to, that's going to be your your least, your worst option. Uh, number two is to look local and private. And there's a maybe on that because you might be able to buy or barter for an AR-15 from somebody within your state in a private sale. And you might, I mean, in some in some states you can do this, some states you can't, and that's always going to be jockeying back and forth. But you might possibly be able to find somebody, maybe at like an estate sale or something like that where, in fact, I remember when, when my father died, my stepmother had sold all of his guns, and they were all hunting rifles, um, except for one that she gave me, so nice of her. But it was, uh, she sold all of them just like it was at a garage sale. So basically like, okay, do you have a, oh, thank you, you have $100, okay, here's your rifle. That one's straight up off the books. There are those type of sales out there. And if you're able to find that and be able to just take something home, there you go—you you have a a rifle. So that's really a hit or miss, and it's it's not always the um, it's not always going to be out there. It's it's going to be kind of hard to find. The third step is to actually build your own AR-15. This is something I've been talking about for quite a while in emails, and I don't think I think this might be the first time we ever really put it on the blog. But it is possible to build your own AR-15 with with very little technical expertise because some of the stuff you can get done at a machine shop. And I, I have to tell you, I've been, I've been meaning to do this for a while. And I think I'm finally at the point where I might actually check this out because a friend of mine just got done doing it. So I know the person who built all the instructions and put, a, put together an instruction manual and all these how-to videos about how anyone can do this. And then a friend of mine actually just did this he just completed this and he told me it was a lot easier than what most people might think so um that kind of piqued my curiosity and i'm i'm really interested in that and there is a link on the blog if you want to go over and get those instructions and, and watch the videos you can do that so but that is going to truly be an off the books ar-15 that you'd be able to have it that would not be registered so um so that was the first blog post that we hit this week. Um, Mr. I told you so green. What was the, uh, the (laughs) next thing that we had up, by the way, what would it, is there something specific or is that, are you holding on to a secret there with uh, what? Well,
0: I should think it's obvious if you bothered to see the interview for America. uh, It's uh, this, this brilliant plan by Sony to get us all to see a relatively mediocre film by involving everyone's favorite uh, communist dictator, Kim Jong-un. Uh, I'm, I'm actually surprised that didn't immediately spring to mind, Jeff. Uh, you spent so much time talking about your devotion to a uh, glorious leader. North Korea is best Korea that, uh, you know, it, it probably just uh, slipped your mind for a minute there.
1: <laughs> I was just being protective of my, uh, of my, my love interests.
0: There you go. There you go. So yeah. I just, I thought it was hilarious that this whole, this whole slap with, with North Korea developed over the holidays and, uh, a movie that probably would have gone completely unnoticed because it isn't that good uh, ended up becoming, you know, something that you could see for the sake of patriotism and mother pie and applehood. Um <laughs>
1: you know, Just
0: get out there and see that Seth Rogen movie for America, people.
1: <laughs> Do it so, for America. Yeah, I haven't um, I haven't funny, seen a movie.
0: It's it, it, I watched Did you see it, it? it. You know all of a sudden they made it available everywhere. Like you can't open your email and not accidentally watch the, the interview anymore. And, uh, I watched it. It was, it was all right. It wasn't that good. Uh, but I watched it mostly because North Korea didn't want me to. And damn it, I was going to strike a blow in the holidays <laughs> for patriotism. And I'm like, well, this is an awful lot like just watching a mediocre film that I bought for six bucks on Google play. But, uh, hmm. uh, you know, you were mentioning the the uh, build your own AR-15. The liberals have a new word for those. Those are ghost guns. That's right. These hills are full of them. Uh, because when you hate firearms, you, you can't just hate firearms. You have to come up with goofy, stupid terminology. And so when you hear the term ghost gun, and you see lawmakers making idiots of themselves on the news because they like to come off as being firearms experts when they are anything but. That's when you'll you'll see references to ghost guns. There was some idiot politician, I forget his name, but I know he was Hispanic. Um, he said he was he was going on and on about ghost guns and talking about how, you know, these guns fire forty thousand magazines a second, you know, because they don't know the terminology, they don't know firearms at all. They just get <laughs> up there and they they make ludicrous fools of themselves and then they get mercilessly made fun of, but because they don't understand the terminology to begin with, they don't realize they're being made fun of. So it's just one of those things. Every time I, I think about an off the books Air 15 the, the the imbecile ranting about ghost guns comes to mind.
1: Well, and isn't that like uh, you think about it? It's it's really a marketing label because I mean it's trying to market an, an agenda, and oh, yeah. it's it's the same it's the same concern I have over labeling of like doomsday preppers. You know now you can't you know the government's telling us to prepare. You know, they're they're telling us to be ready for disaster because we might not be able to handle you all. But if you do, you're labeled as a crazy doomsday prepper. You know, thank you, right, yeah. National the, Geographic. The, but,
0: our very know. own government agencies are telling us, you know, you should have these supplies for an emergency. It's only reasonable. But you're dangerously paranoid if you do.
1: Yeah. So if your neighbor has one of those ghost guns, I mean, we had, we had the story a while back about the, uh, the person who was stupid enough to talk with people about how he had, you know, Jimmy, the the um the bullet button on his AR15 and his yeah. neighbors said you know turned him into the police and then the gun store owner where he, where he got the original one had to turn over all the records for the sales that he so it's you know there's there is this division that's happening and you know so if you have a ghost gun don't brag about your ghost gun because yes, your yes, neighbors heard about the ghost gun that that shoots 40,000 magazines per second and you probably shouldn't have it and so I'm going to call my senator or the FBI or the CIA or the, you know, right. whoever. So shut the up. The
0: first rule of Toddler Fight Club is we don't talk about Toddler Fight Club. If you want yeah. to keep a secret, you don't tell people.
1: That's um, number
0: one. My uh, The first post that I took notice of on the blog this week is actually, it's one of my pet issue uh, blog posts because it refers to such a horrible story. The title of the post is, She Didn't See the Van Following Her and Her Daughter's Home or the Rope and duct tape Either. And of course, the the blog post is a reference to the horrible story of the Pettits in in, uh, New England. Um, The the wife and daughter were were coming home from the grocery store. They got followed by a pair of just complete scumbag home invaders. Um, the, The home invaders ended up, Uh, tying them up uh, forcing the husband to watch while his his wife and daughter were being assaulted uh and then they ended up uh i believe it was burning the house down if Mm -hmm. i remember correctly or yeah
1: tied all the kids to i mean it's a horrible story you know uh, it's
0: it's stomach turning and we refer to it more than once in some of
1: the home invasion
0: stuff that we do and it's just tragic because this man you know, I'm, I'm certain he's broken as a human being. There's just no way you could survive the knowledge that your loved one's last moments were one of horror and terror and assault. And then you had to, you know, live with the fact that they're dead and you're alive. And it's the absolute worst case of worst case scenarios. It's the reason that you should be preparing for the possibility of home invasion. And so many people react to, that's paranoid. That's just so rare. Well, yeah, it is rare, thankfully doesn't happen that often but it does happen and it, you don't get to know if today's going to be the day that your winning lottery number comes up and you're the one family out of a million who has dangerous home invaders who, who can come at you in your own home like you don't have to go out and find this violence it comes to you and you never know when it's going to happen uh it's just it stands to reason that the danger of this is relatively low but it is a possibility, and you should be prepared for it because to not be prepared for it is completely
1: unthinkable well, I liken it to I liken it to like concealed carry. I mean, how many people are actually going to be you know accosted in the parking lot and have to pull out their gun? Well,
0: yeah, there are exactly. stories
1: all over it, but you carry a gun anyway, you may never have to hopefully you never have to pull it, but you carry it because if you ever do when you do need a gun, you need a gun
0: yeah. So anyway that it's it's very much worth reading and uh you know the, the home invasion uh defense program that that we offer specifically references these two just wretched wretched human beings who, I I'm sorry but the fact that people like that exist are why self defense and home defense are necessary um it's just a horrible world we live in where people like that exist but they do
1: Yeah well, and the and the blog post was about how you know once they're in your home, it's a lot harder. You know, once they have control, because they have the advantage of ambush, they have the advantage of surprise. They can quickly overwhelm, and that's that is the, the that is how they operate. So there's a lot that right. you can do before they even get into the home, which yeah. was the uh, you know, blog post counter was
0: in, surveillance plan, right? Yeah, you, before leaving home, how you've got to stay vigilant. You know, don't be distracted by your phone. Be aware of the people who are around you. Uh, when you're in the car, see if anyone else is uh, sitting in the driver's seat but not departing there in the parking lot. Who might be potentially monitoring you? When you're on the way home, keep checking your rearview mirror every few minutes. Um, if you discover that somebody is following you, you want to be unpredictable. You don't want to just leak them right home and pull into your own driveway. Um, if you do think you're being followed, if you think somebody's telling you, you can, you know. Call ahead for the police to meet you at your home, Um, and even if you're not being tailed, get into the habit of backing into your driveway or your garage so that you can see out onto the street as you enter your home. Uh, this actually happened locally out here. Home invaders have been known to hide in bushes and slip in behind you as the garage door closes. You know, you're, you're looking at the back of the garage. You're thinking about parking. You don't see them at all because you're not looking outward. And that's precisely what happened locally here uh, a couple of years back. Some home invaders entered through the garage as a family was coming home. They terrorized that family for an entire day. They, they locked them in the trunk of the car. They were molesting the wife as the husband was tied up there right there and forced to, to, to watch. Uh, they had a child with them, and that's what saved their lives. Some scumbag decided that it wasn't right that they had a kid in the trunk as this group of scumbags was driving their prizes around town talking about killing them. So said scumbag called the, the cops and was like, it ain't right. They got a kid in the car, and the police showed up and rescued them. But, you know, that family will never be the same again. And all they were doing was coming home. They just came home and got, got, uh, taken in their own
1: driveway, in their own garage. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've made that a habit for a few years now to back into my garage. One of the reasons why also was that if you ever need to hightail it out of your home because, you know, you're able to get away from, from home invaders, something and you can get in the car. You don't, if you have a, a complicated driveway like I do, Backing out, you, especially when you're adrenalized and you're on the run and you're fleeing, you need to get out quickly, it's much easier just to get in the car, pr, you know, put the put the pedal to the metal and just, you know, drive out. I do the same thing in parking lots. Parking lots are a danger area. Yet we are always, you know, try, when every time we back out of a parking spot, you, you always have to be very cautious. You have to have a lot of – you have to be very, um, you know – if your mind has to be in the moment you have a lot of different things happening a lot of different you might run over somebody hit another car or something like that and as opposed to just pulling out it's much easier to back into a parking space um than it is to back out of a parking space so uh, i make it a habit that whenever i am out in public or when i back into my own family's my own my own home garage i always back in so that i can pull out easily so some good points on that on that blog post. Uh, the podcast for this week was one where, uh, Buck, you had interviewed me. It was actually one of the first one of the first podcasts that we did. We just hadn't released it yet. And so this was on Bug Out Survival Food. And the survival food is is always a hot topic for us. We talk about it with shelter in place. We talk about it with bugging out. We we, we talk a lot about it. We talk about uh, improvising along the way. Uh, so there are there's a little bit of everything in there, but this one is specifically for bugging out, not for hoarding food at home, so there's some great tips on there on what foods you can what specific foods you can you can pack away in your bug out bag, but then also, if you were to run out of food, what can you do to get food along the way and there's some some myths that are out there in especially like a wilderness survival type training, things like that about about how you can live off the land and, and things like that. And so I, I, as everyone knows, I always take a more practical approach to it based upon my own experience, either from the military or for survival training. And so there might be some things in there that are a little bit controversial, especially to people who are um, wilderness survival enthusiasts. I got to go against the grain a little bit there. So definitely um, I'm surprised we didn't get some um, some negative comments on there, but I think people are pretty well attuned to, what my position is on this stuff, anyway. So, anyway, it's uh, go check that out. This week's podcast. Uh, it's my turn to rant and rave. And okay, what was next? Well, another. This is another pet issue of mine. The post is
0: called "Would You Shoot at a Burglar?" This Indiana man did and went to jail. Um, it frustrates me, especially the discussion that we have on the blog anytime one of these legality and use of force issues uh, comes up. Uh, a guy in Indiana, a fellow named McLaughlin, um, he had a criminal break into his garage, so he opened fire. Uh, and, that you know, typically if somebody breaks into your property and you shoot at them, you're usually going to be okay. It's usually considered an, a justified use of force. Um, problem was, two of the shots he fired were after the intruder had already left and was running down an alley to escape. Uh, David McLaughlin has now been found guilty of criminal recklessness resulting in serious bodily injury. In other words, he's a tax-paying, productive citizen. He's a gun owner. He was trying to protect his home. This guy was breaking into that home, and now McLaughlin is a convicted criminal because he crossed that line, that magical legal line where our court system says you're allowed to use a certain amount of force in self-defense and in protection of your property. But no more. And the second you cross that line, you are now the criminal. Uh, Those of us who've been gun owners and concealed carry permit holders for a long time, we're used to how the legal system works. It often doesn't make any sense. It ought to worry you that the legal system doesn't make any sense, especially if you haven't taken the time to familiarize yourself with it. Because a lot of people will base their decisions on what they think is right or what they've seen on television and they don't realize that they're doing something that will endanger them legally really badly. Warning shots is a great example. You've been taught by television all your life that if you want to warn somebody off you, boy, you fire a shot into the air or into the ground and that'll learn them. Well, you do that in real life and you go to jail because warning shots are extremely highly illegal. It's one of those hot button topics for the legalities of use of force. You just can't do that. And why? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. if you, if you You're on your own property. You shoot into your own ground, and it's better than shooting somebody in the face, but it doesn't matter. You just did something illegal. Uh, We offer a a program called Bulletproof Legal Defense. It's a a DVD program. It's a really good program, and I think it should be required reading for anybody who owns a firearm, whether that's a a long gun or a handgun, because – Every shooting takes place in a legal environment, and that legal environment is utterly insane. You need to know how to protect yourself both ahead of time and then after the fact so that you don't end up going to jail for just trying to defend yourself. Um, and it like I said, it's a hot-button issue for me. It's a pet peeve because I hate the fact that so many well-meaning gun owners don't understand the law and don't understand how they're screwing themselves. You know, this, oh, well, I'd, I'd rather be... Uh, judged by 12 and carried by six. Well, yeah, then you're going to be judged by 12. You're going to go to jail. Your life is going to be effectively over. You're never going to see your family again. You're going to be in debt for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, that is the other aspect of it that I think people don't understand is that um because there have been a lot of cases where like we talked about where somebody did fire a warning shot and they were arrested for it, but they didn't go to prison. You know, it's like a, a jury was was thankfully smart enough that you know it's like okay they they did the best they could they didn't understand or whatever he's a good guy we're not going to send him to jail but there is the legal expense that goes with all of this and these things get drawn out forever i can i know just from being in like other types of legal cases and things like that that you know things just drag on forever and through all of that not knowing whether or not you're going to be found guilty of something there's a stress that's put on family so you have family stress you have financial stress there's so much goes in with it even if You made the right decision and nothing is going to happen to you legally. So, all the more reason to know when you can even pull a trigger. But we had a lot of comments on this. Obviously, every time we talk about legal issues, we always get a lot of great comments on the blog. Uh, But it's also really scary because a lot of those comments are comments that would put you potentially in prison if you really mean what you say. And I never know how much is bravado and how much is just, you know, really what people believe because. When I took my concealed carry, um, license, I had to keep actually correcting the instructors about when you can use a firearm because they, it just, it blew my mind. I can't believe how unprepared I, I would have been coming out of my class, um, for dealing with a firearm. And I, and I know that all the people that are in there that were a lot, especially a lot were beginners were totally unprepared. It scares the hell out of me. And that's only yes. one class. I'm sure that's pretty, you know, pretty uh relevant all across the the, the country. So, you, know, you really
0: absolutely have to educate yourself. You oh, have my to take God. the time to learn on your own.
1: Yeah, you're you're not going to get that into uh, in, in the class itself, which is why we we did the DVD. The DVD is at bulletproofdefensedvd.com. Um and I, and the people that have uh watched that DVD Everybody has said this should be required for anybody that has a firearm because that's what's going to keep you out. We talk a lot about tactics, but this is the other element of it, that of a gunfight. It is a fight and you have to know what you're doing, what you're saying. And a lot of those comments that are on the blog, um, for this post, um, you'd end up going to jail. You would absolutely end up going to jail, especially in, in, you know, these days when we have police shootings of unarmed criminals and, and things like that. It's, it's making it. It is putting everybody with a gun in the crosshairs of, did you make the right decision? So you just have to, you really need to just get the damn DVD. We we make it like, it's it's basically almost free, essentially. Um, Yeah, super cheap. Yeah, that's why we did it, because we're not looking to make a bundle off of this. All we want to do is just get this in the hands of everybody that we want to protect. So anyway, go grab it. All right. uh, What's the last post, Jeff? The last one is entitled More Red Flags. The U.S. Government is Preparing for a Collapse. You Decide. And so this is one more news story that's popped up recently about how the U.S. government – the the bottom line is we always say if the government is preparing for a collapse, shouldn't you? And this is to help get – Number one, to wake people up that something is, you know, we are waiting for the event or something to happen. It's not like we even know what it is, but we know that the government is preparing for something big to happen. We see that in so many different ways, from militarization of police all across the the country to the establishment of FEMA protocols and, and camps that can be whipped up very quickly, um, to their request for emergency rations, to be able, like for um, for companies that that have emergency rations, to be able to supply them very quickly. For it, there's just so many signs that are out there that uh, that the government believes that something that there's going to be an event happening. And so this is one more thing that you know is one potential thing. The Treasury Department has now requested. Uh, for bids for survival kits for every one of its employees, it's got about 3,400 employees. Now, this is the this is a financial institution. This is the overseer for the treasury for banks and, th- and things like that. So, you know, they're they are looking for stuff for their employees they can give out in their in their bags essentially. Their survival kits that include food rations and water purification tablets, solar blankets, AM/FM radios. Uh, basically for a disaster. And so, again, if I don't you know why the Treasury Department has to provide that for its employees. Well, you know, they are preparing their employees and it's just another thing that if they're preparing. Why wouldn't you be preparing? So, again, to me, I see these things all the time about these flags that pop up. Where the government is kind of silently or trying to be silent about, oh, you know, don't worry. We're, you know, we're just, it's just a, it's just a little gift bag for Christmas <laughs> or whatever. Uh, they're all signs to me and, and they they just keep, these things keep leaking out. And it just, it's amazing to me that more people don't take it seriously enough that they start doing something themselves so, and we put in here, like, I, I, I don't, I believe that people that are listening to this podcast and that read our blog posts, those aren't the same people who are going to be caught unprepared. But for me, what I see the government preparing for is that they know, they know that 99% of our country are sit on your ass, you know, watching, you know, honey boo boo, eating, uh, box dinners and fried chicken. And, you know, they know that those are the people that are going to be they're going to be dependent upon the government no matter what. And so what's that? What, what what
0: what is a boxed
1: dinner? You know like uh you know like TV dinners and uh, something you can just throw in the microwave that's got like 3000 calories to it and you know.
0: <laughs>
1: you I know you know.
0: <laughs> this, is, this is almost as, this is like the the CD nickname we're talking about peanut butter and jelly and stuff. It just it just struck me as funny.
1: It bothers me. I mean, I, I was I was a fitness consultant and a, and a, you know, a fitness coach and, and trainer before. And so I'm very, um, very in tune to uh, people that that say that they're survivalists or that they are tactical. Like I, I mean, even police officers, it kills me that there are so many police officers who are just out of shape and don't take their health Seriously. And we talk about survival, like people preparing for, okay, you know, you got me on a rant now. Okay. So, so people that say that, you know, think that um, I I can go any angle with this. So for self-defense, there are the people with a gun that that don't think they have to take hand-to-hand combat or be in shape to be able to fight with their fists because they have a gun. There are those survivalists out there who feel like because I have an AR-15 and I've got a basement full of canned goods, That I'm all set to survive and don't take their health, um, which is right here and right now. Like, let's hope zombies never, you know, walk the earth and start chewing off our faces. Uh, We know that, you know, that may or may not happen, but we do know that your health happens every day. And so for me, health is survival. You know, we've, um, we actually this week or last week put out. Um, another article, or we did a, a special promotion for our, my battle ready body program, which is my military fitness program, which is, is life changing. I mean, I've changed many, I've changed thousands of lives with that program over the years. And, and for our message for the non fitness minded people to the survivalists is that, look, your health is part of your survival. And especially, I mean, the only people who think that they can bug out—they've got a bug out bag—but they're not going to be able to to walk it five miles because they're, you know, they just—they're not in shape to be able to do it. So, um anyway, what was the blog post? Because I totally just went off on some, on box dinners, but it was, you know, the, the my—I guess the point of that was that the government knows that. People are not going to prepare. No matter how much you try to jam it down their throats, they're not going to prepare. They're going to be there with their hands out because we have a dependent society. We have a government-dependent and enabled society. And when you train them to be that way, that's how they're going to be. And during the worst of times, that's not good for anybody. The government has shown that even on a small scale, they cannot effectively uh, sustain the, the populace. They can't do it. If they try and they try and they try and it takes the citizens to be able to do that. And so they're not going to be able to do it. So there's going to be, be a, um, a civil breakdown, martial law. There are, there are, I mean, that's what we're practicing for. All we're seeing the signs of it in small scale and things like Ferguson and things like that. But this is how they're preparing to deal with disaster because they know most people are not going to be prepared. The vast majority of people. So there is going to be a breakdown in law and order. There are, there is going to be a lack of resources. That is why we prepare. So anyway, there. See, you got two rants, two (laughs) rants for the price of one. Told you so. Well, I
0: think I I
1: think (laughs) it's time for what do you know or what have you learned this week? Do you have a what do you know?
0: I do, actually. And that is,
1: I guess this is just my pet
0: peeve hit parade this week. I was reading an article about uh typically, you know, a snowmobiler got lost in the woods, thought he was going to die, started writing letters to his family because he thought he was dying. And finally, they picked him up. He was uh, hypothermic. He was dehydrated. This happened in Montana. Um, But it was something he said that just drove me crazy and and elevated this from yet another guy who thought he was going to die who magically survived. He says, when you're an extreme snowmobiler and you get lost, you're usually dead, Barry Sadler told KECI-TV. You're going places where people won't go, where people shouldn't go. He said part of his extreme mindset was to ride without survival gear or water. Yes, that's that's extreme. All right. You go someplace that, you know, is extra specially dangerous and you do so without any supplies of any kind because you're extreme, dude. No, you're not extreme. You're stupid. (laughs) And frankly, if people like if people had known that Mr. Extreme Snowmobiling was somewhere in a ravine in Montana uh, and was there of his own choice, knowing it was really dangerous. And without any supplies of any kind, I think they would have been within their rights to go, you know what? We're staying home because that's just how extreme we aren't. Uh, it, it bothers me that, that people undertake dangerous sports and they use this concept of extreme to justify doing it in a half ass way. Um, I don't know if you've seen that movie with James Franco, uh, about the, it's the, um, the story of the kid who got caught. While he was out hiking by himself, and he ended up having to cut off his own arm after it got caught under a boulder and crushed. Um,
1: this is our second James Franco reference today.
0: This is I know. your
1: second. Yes, this is your second reference to James yes, Franco. You cannot
0: escape James Franco. You, you obviously
1: have a love interest in James Franco.
0: Apparently, apparently, uh, and he is a handsome man. But in the movie, uh, they make a point of you know. He kind of took off on his little, his hike in kind of a half-assed way. And so as a result, when he ended up getting stuck and help wasn't coming, um, his only choice was gnaw off your own arm or die. Well, this snowmobiler, he should have been a lot more prepared. And instead, he wasn't. And, (coughs) excuse me, he, um, you know, he's saying, well, I I didn't prepare because I'm extreme. That's just how I approach this. No, he didn't prepare because you're doing this in a half-assed way and you don't care who might potentially get hurt trying to save you later um so that's i just think that if you're going to engage in outdoor sports that are potentially dangerous you owe it to yourself to have a fair regard for the survival uh, uh contingencies that are necessary my father at one time was an avid hunter. He never went out into the woods without a survival kit on the theory that he might get stuck out there. And that was a lesson that I took to heart as a kid, seeing that as an example. Um So, you know, the it was extreme. And that's why I didn't prepare.
1: It's not an excuse. Yeah, agreed. Uh, My what do you know actually came from a a, a kind of a strange little angle. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins, the self-help guy. Like I've, I've listened to some of his programs over the, over the years and, and they're very empowering. Like they're, they're great for building up, you know, how to get out of life, what you, what you want to get. And uh, there was a very interesting, I don't know why he did this, but there was a very interesting, I think it's an older, an older video too, but it was on essentially um the the national debt and and what we can do about it like i think this was during the presidential t- uh races i don't remember if it was 2008 or 2012 but it was essentially the the debate bef- between you know well we just need to tax the rich more and uh it was it's a relatively long you can probably google it it's probably tony robbins discusses you know um national debt or something like that but it was um, – basically, it was about a 13-minute long video or so. In fact, I'll probably end up posting it on the blog sometime. But essentially, he was doing the math for, okay, well, Democrats say this, Republicans say this. So let's go ahead and run through this scenario if we do what they say that we should do or what the what the Democrats are saying, which is basically you know tax more of the rich. Well, let's go ahead and take – and he went through this long line of, okay, let's go ahead and take the – let's tax them an extra – I forget the percentage, but like, you know, extra 5% or something like that. Like just saying, okay, well, if we do that, then it equals this much money. And he starts off with what our national debt actually is. So it's this much money and it's and it's growing by this much each day. And so here is our, um, here's basically our, and and this is our budget deficit. And so we need to make up that deficit to to take away the debt. And so he starts going through, okay, well, let's go ahead and take, X percent of the the 500 richest people in the world, and and let's go let's go further than that. Let's just take their entire salary. Let's take every last penny that they make, and let's go ahead and do that. And then let's go ahead and take every last you know NBA player, NHL player, NFL player. Let's take every single bit of their salary, and it just keeps piling on. Like okay, let's go ahead and take all of these person's money, all this money, until he basically gets down. to, Let's just take everybody's money essentially. And put that in there. And he's like, it still doesn't come up with the money that we need to be able to get rid of our debt and erase our our budget deficit. And I I was waiting for, like, the solution at the end of the video. I was waiting for for him to say, okay, obviously, none of these plans, even mathematically, even come close, not even close in the same universe to be able to do what they say we need, we should be doing. And I was waiting for the, here's what we really need to do from Tony Robbins. And it was essentially, he ended it with, so what do you think we should do? (laughs) Go ahead and leave a comment, which to me meant there is nothing we can do. And a lot of my, you know, if you don't hear it on the news, you don't hear like, okay, there is no solution to this program, to this problem with the collapse of the dollar. Uh, there are signs over in China and in Europe of um, obviously the loss of confidence in the U.S. dollar. We are a we run a debt-based system within our country. Hell, most families operate on a debt-based system. But we that that is how we are. That's how we're structured. And unfortunately, that gap just keeps growing and growing and growing. And you can't do that forever. Like, it's mathematically impossible. And, and what I always, what always confounds me is that it doesn't confound me because it's a, it's a very easy um, sleight of hand to be able to show, you know, if you broke this down to somebody's kitchen table, like if you were, if you're, you and your family were operating off of credit cards because you want this lifestyle where you have the, the big TV, the, the, um, the, the, the giant house that's mortgaged to the hilt, you've got the fancy sports car that you can't afford, but you're, but you're spending, you know, you don't make enough money to pay for all those things. So you just keep using credit card after credit card. Eventually, the banks are going to say, whoa, 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 I think that's enough. Um, it's time for you to actually start paying this back. You can't do that forever. You can't live off of credit cards forever. Yet that's what we do. We just keep getting another credit card for our country. Eventually, that has to run out. Mathematically, it has to run out. And so um, I just thought it was really interesting that Tony Robbins went through this and essentially pointed out, take all the money from all the rich people, every last cent of it. You still don't even come close to fixing this problem. Well, that's a cheerful thought. (laughs) On On that nice little note, have a great weekend, everybody. (laughs) But, you know, it is something that, um, you know, my wife and I argue over this stuff all the time. And so it was a nice little video to send. Actually, it didn't turn out very well, but it was a nice little video to send to see. See, this is why this what's being projected out there over, you know, all we need to do is is just tax a little bit on the rich. All we're asking for is a little bit back from there now look i 'm all for being fair and i am I am very like anti rich from the standpoint of like not not that people shouldn 't be able to make money, just that they have so much power and control over national um, policy and laws and and deregulation where it actually harms people. things like that piss me off so um, i'm i 'm certainly not protective of the rich from that standpoint, however, I do believe in in capitalism, the, the ability to, if you've got a trade or ideas or whatever, you should benefit from those. But, but we've certainly seen an exploitation of that, that permeates our government. So I'm not in favor of the puppets or the puppet, puppet masters. So anyway, that's a whole other rant. Anyway, <laughs> so on that note. Um, okay. So we, we covered a lot this week actually for, uh, for the blog. We've got a lot more coming up. So, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes and let your friends know about uh, what we've got going on out there. Send them over to our blog. Uh, take one of the emails, forward it on to people that you think will will really like to hear our message and get them over to the blog, get them commenting. Spread the word, because as you can see, there's a lot that we need to be spreading. Uh, again, the government's preparing are you and those that you care about doing the same? And, and sharing our information is one of the ways that you can do that. Be sure to comment on our blog also. we love to hear from you and, um, and from your own experience. I mean, some of the best tips that we get are from people that leave their tips on the blog. So be sure to do that. Go ahead and give us a five-star rating in iTunes on our podcast if you enjoy what you're, what you're listening to. And um, and we look forward to hearing from you more in the future. So until the next Friday Reload podcast, this is Jeff Anderson. And this is Buck Green. Saying train hard. Stay safe. Prepare now. Thanks, everyone.
0: This has been Modern Combat and Survival. survival.
1: We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment.